Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Argentina, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Neil Magny. Shaq, it's going down this Saturday, UFC making their debut in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Not only does Argentina have some of the most beautiful women in the world, but they also have one of the most feared knockout artists in the welterweight division, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Now he gets a chance against a top 10 guy. If he can get this win, you might be looking at a potential title challenger, Shaq. Yeah, Magny's, you know, quietly put together a nice little resume. Uh, and, you know, Ponzinibbio can take all that. He's uh, been putting in work low-key. And uh, he's had some great performances. And now he gets his chance at the top ten. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight because Neil Magny, he was always the perennial underdog. And then he went on a massive win streak in the UFC. He's beat a couple former champions, Carlos Condit, Johnny Hendricks number one contender, Kelvin Gastelum. So he's got some names on his resume, and he's always a tough out. Well, Shaq, let's break down this card start to finish because first up, we got Nad Naramani. He's minus 320, and the comeback on Anderson Dos Santos is plus 260. Now, Shaq, I saw Anderson Dos Santos on the Titan FC scene, and Nad Naramani, it's interesting to say that he's the vet in this spot because Anderson Dos Santos has a lot more experience, but the way that Nad fights, man, he fights like a seasoned vet out there. Not only can he outstrike you on the feet, he can also win rounds with takedowns. And he just seems super composed out there. I think he's going to go out here against Anderson Dos Santos, who took this fight on short notice. And not only can he cruise to victory, I think he might potentially stop him along the way. Anderson Dos Santos has been stopped five times in his career, Shaq. And now uh, he takes on Nad Naramani on very short notice. I think it's a, I think it's a tough matchup for him, man. I got Nad Naramani. Who you got? Yeah, you know, I like uh, Naramani as well. You know, I think he's a strong guy for featherweight. It's unfortunate that uh, Barzola got injured. You know, that was the original fight. But I think he's a strong featherweight that can, you know, get a lot of takedowns. And I think that's what he's going to do here. You know, I think the standard exchanges are going to be, you know, fairly close. But uh, Naramani will steal the rounds with takedowns. And next up in the lightweight division, we got Jesus Pinedo. He's minus 220. And the comeback on Devin Powell is plus 180. Now, Shaq, we've gone on record and said that, uh, you know, Devin Powell might be on the lower tier of the UFC lightweight roster because uh, when you talk about the lightweight division, that's the most stacked division in the entire UFC. And uh, Devin Powell wouldn't win the NFC title. Let's just put it that way. But he's taking on Jesus Pinedo, who's taking this fight on short notice. You know, he's filling in for his teammate, Claudio Puelas, who wasn't able to take the fight. And, you know, there's not much footage out there, but what I have seen, uh, Shaq, this kid brings it, man. He's got a highlight reel. He's knocked people out. He's tapped people out. He's also taken his fair share of losses as well, which uh, is good in my eyes because, you know, he's not undefeated. He knows what it's like to bounce back. And he's taking on Devin Powell. Look, with Devin Powell, man, he's tough. That's the one thing he's got going for him. He's super tough. But, man, every time you strike at him, Every time people throw big strikes at him, he's always shelling up. He's always off balance. You know, he uh, makes up for the fact that he's not very athletic with his mental toughness. But the thing is, to be in the UFC, man, it's not enough to just be tough, Shaq. You got to be tough. You got to be athletic. You got to have a well-rounded skill set. And I feel like uh, Jesus Pinedo might have him covered here, Shaq. So I'm going to go with Jesus Pinedo for the victory. Yeah, you know, I think Powell, uh, he's a tough guy. But, you know, his last fight against Alvaro Herrera, I mean, when you've seen some of the stunts that Alvaro's pulled in the UFC career, you know, <laughs> it's not the highest level of, uh, 
UFC win. So, you know, I do think Powell does have his have his toughness going on for him. I mean, he's a very tough guy. He's got a great chin. I mean, he did survive three rounds with Jakar close. So, you know, uh, he's a super tough guy. But, you know, I just think this guy, Jesus Pineda, is going to, you know, just land the harder shots throughout the three rounds. You know, I think uh, Devin Powell, I think he's in for a fight. But, you know, I just don't see him winning this fight. And I just see him losing a, a tough decision and, you know, him showing his toughness. Now, next up, we got Hector Aldana. He's minus 120. And Loriano Steropoli is plus 100. Now, Shaq, it's interesting, man, because Loriano Steropoli, he opened minus 320. Now he's plus 100, so massive action has come in on Hector Aldana. It's interesting to see people betting on a guy like that. Look, don't get me wrong, Shaq. I know that when we watch the footage on Loriano Steropoli, it wasn't uh, anything to brag home about. But at the same time, I mean, we saw Hector Aldana quit on his stool on tough. We saw Hector Aldana win the first round in his last fight and then uh, turtle up in the second. So I don't think he's that trustworthy either, Shaq. It's it's honestly a tough fight to call because I don't know where Steropoli is at. But one thing I will say, even though the fights I watched were super ugly, at least he showed heart, man. That's one thing those Argentines have, you know, because with Santiago Ponzinibbio, you know, they used to call him the comeback kid. You watch some of his fights on The Ultimate Fighter, he was getting rocked early in those fights, and then he'd come back and finish his opponents. So maybe Loriano Steropoli, maybe there's something in the water in Argentina there, Shaq, where these guys have a knack for coming back. I know Guido Canetti doesn't, but I think uh, Loriano Steropoli, he might be that guy that can take that ass whooping up front and come back. And that's actually what you need against someone like Hector Aldana, who does seem like a bit of a front runner, at least from what I've seen so far. Look, both of these guys are super young in their mixed martial arts careers. So I'm not going to be surprised to see improvements either way. But what we have seen from Hector Aldana in my eyes, Shaq has not been impressive. Loriano Steropoli, I think he's going to take the ass-whooping up front. And then I think he's going to catch Hector Aldana in the second or third round. I'm going to go with Loriano Steropoli for the victory here, Shaq. Yeah, you know, uh, Hector Aldana, he's a 4-2 and two fighter. You know, is uh, still on the ultimate fighter. He also fought the uh, Frachango Herrera and beat him after losing. Uh, he won the first round, but it was a very good fight, a close fight. And then the second fight, he got finished by Enrique Marine in like two or three minutes. So it's... Uh, and then the Keenan Song fight where he also got finished. So it's interesting to see uh, people take him in this spot. But, you know, I feel like this is going to be a very entertaining fight. Hector's a very aggressive fighter. His technique's sloppy. The openings are there. To be honest, I, I'm not sure if Hector's got the best chin these days either. And, uh, you know, I have seen Stropoli get dropped as well in the local scene. But, you know, hey, one guy's got a 7-1 and one record and the other guy's won, you know, four out of six fights. So... I know Hector's got this UFC experience, but he doesn't perform well, so I'm going to take Steropoli as well. Now, next up in the UFC featherweight division, we got Humberto Bandone. He's minus 260. The comeback on Austin Arnett is plus 220. It's an interesting matchup, Shaq. I thought the line would be a little bit closer. What's your opinion, man? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Austin Arnett, I guess you could say he's a tough guy. I mean, he has been in there with some of the some of the better guys in the sport, like Davis, Sanhagen, and, uh, you know, uh, Hakeem Dewaru, but beat up pretty badly. So, you know, Humberto Menonay, I've also seen him do a lot of questionable things out there on the on the uh, Peruvian local scene. And, you know, in his UFC career, his fights seemed to end really quick. You know, his uh, last fight against Gabriel, he got finished in less than a minute. And uh, he finished Martin Bravo in less than a minute. So it's going to be interesting to see him go out there against a somewhat of a tough guy like Arnett. But I'm not really sure what Arnett has to offer, man. You know, I think... Uh, 
You know, I feel like he can walk guys down at times but and land an occasional nice combo, but he just seems to not follow up. And it seems like he just likes to shell up and get hit. So, you know, I think uh, it's actually going to be a little closer than the uh, than a lot of people think, but I think Ben and I will pull out the win. Man, it's a tough fight for me to call. You know, initially I was very interested in Humberto Bandone just because I haven't been that impressed with Austin Arnett. But then you go back and you watch the tape, and Humberto Bandone, only two years ago on the regional scene, he's tapping out to forearm chokes, Shaq. And uh, obviously you saw what happened in his last fight. There's a reason we max bet Gabriel Benitez in that spot. But, you know, this ain't Gabriel Benitez. This is Austin Arnett. One thing I'll say about Austin Arnett is that uh, in that fight with Brandon Davis, he stood and banged with Brandon Davis. He rocked Brandon Davis on the feet. Obviously, the Corey Sanhagen fight went how it went. I mean, I think we can all agree Corey Sanhagen is a pretty damn good prospect in that division. Down a division now, actually, because he just beat Yuri Alcantara. And his last fight with Hakeem Duwadu, I, I think uh, the jury's still out about Hakeem Duwadu. But bottom line, the guy was minus 500 to beat Austin Arnett, so he went out there and did his job. I think this might be the most winnable fight Austin Arnett has had in his UFC run so far. The thing with Humberto Bandone is, you know, he's a... <laughs> He's a good front runner, man. You know, he's got a very hard left kick. Obviously, when you take him down, he attacks with a very nice arm bar. He moves his hips on the mat. But when the going gets tough, Humberto Bandone has looked for outs before. So it's about can Austin Arnett drag him to these deep waters? And like you mentioned, his activity level, Austin Arnett's that is, isn't the best. So that makes me think he's not going to drag him to deep waters. So for that reason, I will take Humberto Bandone as well. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Alexandre Pantoja. He's minus 360. The comeback on Oka Sasaki is plus 300. Shaq, you know, it's kind of sad that the flyweight division uh, is going to be no longer pretty soon here, man. But these are two of the most exciting guys. Alexandre versus Oka, who you got? Yeah, you know, I'm really high on Pantoja at flyweight. But, uh, you know, Oka Sasaki, you know, he's a tough guy, uh, you know, towards the, the bottom of the top 50. Team, but you know he can kind of create a, a tough look on the feet out there in space he is you know super tall but his defense isn't the best then his takedown defense is not very good either so you know i think pantoja you know uh is a little bit reckless at times you know he definitely likes to take a little bit of extra damage but uh i just think he can walk oka down take him down here and there take his back control him and we've seen oka you know uh struggle with better grapplers you know black belt so I like Pantoja here. Yeah, I'm with you as well, man. I simply think that Pantoja is just a little bit better everywhere. I think he's a little bit tougher. I think he's a little bit more experienced. I'm, with Oka Sasaki, you know, basically, if you're a, if you're a can, he'll go out there and style on you. You know, Janelle Lau's uh, Roland Delorme. You, you know the deal, Shaq. But anytime he stepped up, he gets taken to school. He gets taught the MMA lesson, the vet lesson. So... I will give him credit, though, man. Ever since he moved to Sarah Longo, I do feel like he's been making improvements in his game. And, you know, he did take the back of Wilson Hayes in their fight. So, look, he's a scrappy young guy. Compared to the days when he pulled that stunt against uh, Leandro Issa, you know, when we all parlayed him. <laughs> you know, since those days, he's definitely turned the corner, man. But I just think that Alexandre Pantoja is on that different level. I think he's going to school him for three straight rounds. Possibly get a finish along the way via submission. Don't be surprised, Shaq. I'm going to go with Alexandre Pantoja here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Michelle Tractor Brazera. She's minus 190, and the comeback on Bartos Fabinski is plus 165. Shaq, are you going with uh, with Tractor Brazera or are you going with Bartos the Butcher? 
Yeah, you know, I'm looking uh, forward to this fight a lot. You know, Tractor Preserves, he's got that boxing record. I mean, it's a rare occasion when uh, Tractor Preserves loses. And, uh, you know, Bartos the Butcher, I mean, you can arguably say this guy hasn't lost a, a round yet in the UFC. You know, I know uh, one judge said that he lost around uh, a mil back, but between between you and me, it was a 30-27 performance. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a. We already know what Bartos wants to do. You know, he's a specialist. He wants to get on top of Michelle and uh, you know, grind him out, be the butcher. So you know, I'm, I definitely know that a uh, tractor Preserves is going to come with a lot of sub attempts early, a lot of punches off the takedowns. And I mean, this is the toughest fight of Bartos's career. He's going to have to be ready for that. Uh, you know, I think going for subs against Bartos is a bad idea. You know, I think Bartos is ready for subs. I think he's a uh, He's got a huge neck, and I think uh, he'll escape the subs if uh, they clinch him, man. And I think he will get on top of Tractor Preserves. I, th- I definitely think the fight's going to have a lot of hairy moments, but, you know, I think Bartos is going to win two of the rounds by uh, top position. So I, I definitely think he's going to have to escape a lot of submissions, avoid uh, getting knocked out. But we know Tractor Preserves has only got, like, one KO on his record. So, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Bartos for the upset. You know, I respect uh, both these guys a lot, but this kid, Bartos Fabinski, you know, I think I've picked against him in all three of his UFC fights. Maybe not the Gareth McClellan fight, all right, Shaq? But aside from that, I think I've picked against this guy, and he goes out there. He's not just winning these fights, Shaq. He's 30-25-ing these guys, and uh, it's almost like the uh, the Polish Khabib, you know? he's He definitely sets a pace on these guys. They can't stop his takedowns when they do get back up. He's just on the legs again. He doesn't get tired. Maybe until until the third round, he does seem to slow down a bit. But Tractor Prezerish, a five foot six welterweight, you know. Uh, well, you know, I'm gonna talk shit, but the champ's only five eight, right, Shaq? So maybe, maybe these short guys can hang at welterweight. But look, the bottom line here, man, is that is Michelle gonna be able to implement his game once again, like he's been doing to all these guys every time people count him out? He just goes out there. And he dominates, guys. I think his nickname says it all, man. He's absolutely a tractor. High-level jiu-jitsu black belt. And uh, the dude can stand and bang, too. He was going in there with Zach Cummings, who's actually a middleweight. This was a lightweight versus a middleweight, Shaq. And Michelle Prezeris was uh, landing some shots on Zach Cummings' chin. And he was stopping the takedowns as well, man. So I wouldn't count out Michelle Prezeris. I think he's a favorite for a reason. I think he's going to come out here and hand Bartos Fabinski his first UFC loss, Shaq. I think Fabinski's got a very bright future. I think he'll be back. I think he's going to give a ton of guys problems with his style. He's absolutely a tough out for anyone. But I think it's first L time in the UFC, my man. I'm going to go with Michelle tractor Prezerish. Now, next up in the women's strawweight division, we got Pollyanna Botelio. She's minus 155. And Cynthia Calvillo is plus 135. Now, Shaq, this is another line similar to the ones we were talking about earlier where this line is flipped, my man. Uh, initially, Cynthia Calvillo opened the favorite. Now she's plus 135. A lot of hype on the Brazilian Pollyanna Botelho. You think she's the real deal? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, our fight against Pearl Gonzalez was kind of a stale stay. I mean, they uh, Pearl just wanted to tie her up, and she stuffed all the takedowns. She's a Brazilian wrestling champ, and that fight against Kondo was very impressive. So it's still... You know, kind of 50-50 on her. We've seen more of Calvillo. We know that Calvillo's weakness is on the feet. We know that she's got great jiu-jitsu. Her wrestling is pretty good as well. Um, her last fight against Carla, you know, she tried to box with Carla, and it didn't work out. You know, Carla's got underrated stand-up. So, you know, uh, this fight's really, really, uh, it's really interesting because, you know, I like, uh, you know, 
female fighters that train at uh, Nova Unia. You know, they get the they get the overall game over there. So, you know, I, I kind of lean uh, Botello slightly. I see it being being a very close fight. You know, one of those typical strawweight close split decision type of fights. So, uh, but I'm gonna go with uh, Botello for the win. It's actually a tough fight for me to call because even though I think that Botello has a significant advantage standing. I think that Cynthia Calvillo has a significant advantage with her jiu-jitsu, but every single fight starts standing, but 90% of fights hit the mat. So I'm very intrigued by what happens if this fight indeed hits the mat, you know, because if you do watch some of Pollyanna Botelho's regional scene fights, you know, my girl Viviane Pereira was able to implement takedowns. And also in Pollyanna's fight before the UFC, she was full mounted, but hey, she came out there and still got the win anyways. So... I just feel like Cynthia Calvillo's jiu-jitsu can be a game-changer at times. And I, I know, you know, against Bobby Cooper, you can, you know, transition from a Darce to a back take. That was absolutely beautiful. And then, you know, she stepped up a little bit with JoJo, and she wasn't quite able to get the finish. Maybe if she had 10 more seconds, she would have got it, but she but she didn't. So, you know, I, I see the skepticism that people have. And on the feet, she definitely looks suspect. She's a tough girl, but I, I agree. You know, the, the openings are there for Pollyanna Battaglia on the feet it just comes down to what happens if this fight indeed does hit the mat because i do think cynthia calvillo is that good where she could take this girl's back and choke her out hang on her neck guillotine her and possibly catch a kick and take her down as well so man i kind of agree with people taking pollyanna battaglio earlier you know as a dog as a slight favorite you know i see the value there but now at plus 135 with cynthia i don't blame people for taking the shot there either man so I think it's a tough fight, and uh, you know a lot of people are super confident on Pollyanna Battaglia. So I, I wish you guys well. I, I'm gonna go with uh, with Pollyanna here via close decision. Now next up in the bantamweight division, we got Marlon Chito Vera. He's minus three twenty. The comeback on Guido Canetti is plus two sixty. Now Shaq, Guido Canetti, he's fighting in Argentina. This is a huge deal for him, but he's taking on the very young Marlon Vera who, I mean, this guy went three rounds with John Lineker and won the third round on two judges' scorecards in Brazil. You think Guido Canetti can uh, come out here with that alpha male game plan and possibly get the upset? Yeah, you know, uh, Guido Canetti, he's been looking a little better recently, but, uh, you know, I still think he's on the, you know, I still think he's on his way out, you know. I think Marlon Vera is a young, improving fighter. You know, I know he's got some losses on his record, some not so good losses, some respectable losses, but, you know, I think he's improving. I think, uh, he's at the right camp. You know, I think he's getting bigger. I think, uh, he's getting more seasoned as well. You know, I think Guido Canetti, he comes out with an early explosion. I see, I see them, you know, definitely, uh, having some good exchanges early, but I think eventually, uh, Marlon's boxing is getting, it's getting better. I think he's going to crack him on the chin at some point and get, and get Guido thinking, you know, when Guido, when the going gets tough, Guido has a questionable pass, you know, just watch his uh, tough history. I mean, the guy will quit fast and he will t- tap that mat. So, you know, uh, I just think, you know, his last fight with Diego Rivas was a case of a, a guy not just not being the, the guy that he once was. You know, I just think uh, Marlon's got too many tools for him, the kicks, the length, and the improving boxing. And uh, I think he'll get a finish at some point. I'm going to go with Marlon Chito Vera in this spot as well. You know, I do think that the early going, it's going to be entertaining because Guido Canetti, he's a very explosive guy, especially in that first round check. And he'll go out there. He's going to crack Chito Vera a couple times. But the reason that I don't think he's going to knock out Chito Vera, I mean, you saw John Lineker land on the chin of Chito Vera. And Chito took it just fine. So I, I think if you could take three rounds of John Lineker's shots, 
you can sure as hell take the one round explosion that Guido Canetti brings to the table. And I know that a lot of betters uh, shit on Marlon Vera, but look, man, he was only 20 or 21 years old when he first came into the UFC. He was training with cab drivers in Ecuador. And, you know, he took some embarrassing L's. I get it. You know, he lost to Psycho Beltran and Davy Grant. You know, even the win against Roman Salazar. That was a different Cheeto Vera. Ever since he moved to Timo Yama in California, he's been doing his thing, man. You've seen him make improvements every single fight. You know, he had that... I mean, he took the fight with Brad Pickett on literally Monday of fight week. Goes out there, knocks him out in England. Then you saw the submission he pulled against Brian Kelleher. Fought very tough. With John Lineker. Let me repeat what I've already said a million times. He won the third round on two judges scorecards in Brazil versus John Lineker, a top five guy. Guido Kinetic won't even win the first minute, Shaq. That's that's all I gotta say. So he, the kid's been making improvements. You know, I know he got set up in that Douglas Silva Diandraj fight, but look, he's not fighting a juiced up Brazilian this time. He, he's fighting a juiced up Argentine, right? But I think that juiced up Argentine is 39 years old, about to be 40. I think that he starts dropping his hands by the four minute mark of every single fight. And I mean, let's not let's not even bring up the fact that you know the dude will tap that mat super quick. And I think that Marlon Vera, I think people forget the kid's a black belt. If he finds the neck of Guido Canetti, don't be surprised if Guido Canetti taps that mat again. I'm going to go with a head kick to a guillotine choke for Marlon Chito Vera here. Now next up in the middleweight division, we got Cesar Mutanchi Ferreira. He's minus 190, and the comeback on Ian Heinish is plus 165. Now Shaq, Cesar Ferreira, he was initially supposed to fight Tom Breeze. Now he's taking on the newcomer Ian Heinish, the former LFA champ. Who are you going with? Yeah, you know, Cesar's kind of had a, a career resurgence. I mean, uh, Cesar used to have some rough days back when that chin couldn't take a single punch, man. And now, uh, you know, he's working around his chin, and he's taking these guys down and using his uh, third-degree black belt, like we saw against Roberson, like we saw against Hermanson. I mean, he's got a nice resume. He beat Anthony Smith. You know, uh, he's been doing his thing recently, man. Um, you know, Ian Heinish, he's a big, strong you know, definitely hits hard. So, I mean, you, we already know what the thing with Cesar, man. we got to be worried about his chin. You know, in the Elias fight, he kind of let Elias output him. But, I, hey, that's what Elias is known for. You know, he uh, has a lot of output. So, you know, I think Cesar's a very, you know, a top 20, top 25 type of fighter. Ian Heinish, the only way he can win this fight, in my opinion, is by knockout, you know. Same uh, thing and uh pretty much every Cesar fight. And I think Cesar will avoid that knockout. You know, I think uh, it could definitely be some hairy moments. We do know that Chin is, uh, we saw what Nate Marquardt did to that Chin. You know, it, it can definitely be done, but I think he'll work around it. I think he'll get takedowns. And I wouldn't be just a difference when uh, Cesar gets on top of you. And uh, I think Hannes will be back, man. I just think he's going to get a rude welcome to the UFC. I mean, it's definitely a possibility, Shaq. You know, on paper, you look at the resumes with Cesar Mutachi Ferreira. You're talking about a guy that beat Jack Hermanson. You're talking about a guy that beat Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, Carl Roberson. And Ian Heinish, you know, the one time he stepped up against Marcus Maluco Perez, he got tapped out with an arm triangle from guard in the first round. So, you know, don't be surprised if Cesar Mutanchi Vieira is able to take him down and tap him out as well. The, the thing here, Shaq, the reason why this fight is a lot closer in my eyes than, you know, the line is actually pretty damn close, but just in terms of when you look at Cesar Mutanchi's resume, his experience, and then you see Ian Heinish, you know, it seems like he should just blow him out the water. But, dude, Ian Heinish might have the skills to actually come out here 
And B says, Fajera, the reason I say that is, you know, unlike Carl Roberson, Ian Heinish actually is a former state champion wrestler. And I've seen situations where Cesar Mutanchi takes guys' backs, and when he's not able to finish, they turn in, and then they're a- they're actually able to go out there and win the rounds. You know, Elias, man, Elias was able to do that shit. You know, I know they had an air striking contest, but uh, Elias was able to get off that back and, uh, you know, get him off his back and uh, get on top. And also Nate the Great Marco, who he's an underrated black belt as well. He's a black belt under uh, Master Ricardo Mergel, who's a red belt, so... You know, he was able to do that. You know, if Ian Heinish can shuck him off the back, the dude's got enough power when he's on top. He could potentially get this upset, man. But he could also get blown out the water as well. I think it is a dog or pass situation. I'm going to actually go with Ian Heinish to get this upset in his UFC debut. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Khalil Roundtree. He's minus 210. And the comeback on Johnny Walker is plus 175. Shaq, you know, some of these clips I've seen of Johnny Walker, they weren't the prettiest. He was he was flopping, and he's been stopped via strikes more than once. But we know the deal with Khalil Roundtree. Uh, if you can get past that first round, you might be able to win the fight. What do you think, man? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Khalil Roundtree super explosive, big power puncher. It was uh, nice to see him get that guy, uh, Saki. Saki uh down on the mat I mean that was a that was a that was a vicious KO but uh you know Khalil I mean it's hard to trust him because we know what happens when he uh you know gets like you said gets out that first round but at the same time you know that was a but at the same time I think it was against a lot uh better guys like that Polish fighter McCall I think he's a lot better than uh you know I think that it's against a lot better guys than Johnny Walker you know, uh, so, you know, it's very interesting. I'm going to go with Khalil. I just think he's going to end up knocking this guy out fa- fairly early. You know, I think this guy is going to, you know, uh, try to test his stand up a little bit too much. And then, you know, I think Khalil will actually get his knockout. But if uh, this thing if this thing started extending, you know, uh, <laughs> hold your breath. Yeah, for sure. You know, and this guy, Johnny Walker, he does have a knack for if you can't knock him out cold. You know, he will start flopping, and then he'll invite you to come into his guard. And But I have seen him get on top of dudes, and he is pretty fucking heavy. So if he's able to somehow weather the storm of Khalil Roundtree, things could get interesting. And we know the deal uh, when you weather that storm of Khalil Roundtree. It's just I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like Khalil is like a Devontae Smith. You know, last week uh, I was wrong about that one. You know what I'm saying? Uh I mean, I said it's first-round KO or bust, and he went out there and got the first-round KO. I feel like it's the same thing here with Khalil Roundtree. But this time, I'm, I'm going to pick the, the KO or bust guy. So I'm going to go with Khalil Roundtree via first-round knockout, Shaq. Co-main event of the evening, UFC featherweight division. We got Ricardo the Bully Lamas. He's minus 210, and the comeback on Darren Elkins is plus 175. Now, Shaq, listen, the deal with Darren Elkins, not only is he an underdog every single fight, but when you watch the tape, every single opponent he has is better than him. Every single opponent he has is cleaner than him. Yet, Darren Elkins has had two separate five-fight win streaks in the UFC. The last one was actually a six-fight win streak, Shaq. He's won six of his last seven fights. I mean, look, Mirsad Bektik is cleaner than him. Michael Johnson is cleaner than him. And he still went out there and finished both those guys. So I, I got to know, man, uh, Ricardo's obviously cleaner than him. Is it going to matter here? Man, I don't know, man. It's a tough fight because, like you said, uh, we know that Elkins, you know, you know, uh, he has a way of making these things a, a lot closer than uh, what they 
you know, would be on paper. Um, he's a super tough guy. You know, Lamas, I thought he looked, you know, you know, pretty good his last fight, but they're, you know, I feel like Elkins at this point now, I know he's still won five of his last six or whatever it is, but after that Volkanovski fight with the, the type of damage he took, I, I do think that uh, it's going to start, you know, going on the decline for him now. You know, I think he had a great run. I'm not saying that he's on his way out. I still see him winning a lot of fights, but, you know, I feel like this, is go- this fight's going to be, you know, Another close type of split decision fight, man. You know, I think uh, Lamas is going to get the better of the exchanges. The difference is I feel like Lamas can point Elkins. You know, I think uh, these guys going out here trying to take Elkins' head off instead of, you know, taking a calm approach. You know, I think Ricardo can, you know, calf kick him, stuff his takedowns, and just stay ahead on points and win a decision. I know on paper that sounds like a great plan and it sounds like what he's going to do, but the thing is when these guys fight Darren Elkins, they can't help themselves but try to knock him out because he's so open and he just eats all their shots and they're like, oh shit, I could probably put this guy out. Then you keep hitting him over and over and he's not out. Then he starts walking forward. Then you start gassing out. Then all of a sudden he took you down. He picked you up and slammed you. Then he just won that round right there. It's one-to-one going into the third, and you're huffing and puffing, and the dude's fresh coming off the stool. So I think that even though Ricardo Lamas is probably better everywhere, like I said, I think Dennis Bermudez, oh, let's not say chin-wise because he's definitely not better there, but look, Dennis Bermudez, dude had pretty damn good takedown defense. That's one thing we can give to Dennis Bermudez. The dude has good takedown defense. Darren Elkins took this guy down. Michael Johnson's got better hands. Michael Johnson knocked out Dustin Poirier. Michael Johnson beat Tony Ferguson. Darren Elkins went out there and choked him out in the second round. Mirsad Bektik, oh, future world champion, all these things. Mirsad Bektik was whooping his ass. Mirsad Bektik got knocked out in the third round, Shaq. So, you know, and also Ricardo Lamas, I know this doesn't really matter, but he's 0-3 versus guys from Team Alpha Male. I think it's going to be 0-4, my man. I think that the better guy is going to lose here to Darren Elkins, and uh, it's going to be yet another underdog victory for the damage here. Main event of the evening, Santiago Genchiboa Ponzinibbio. He's minus 280. The comeback on Neil Magny is plus 240. Now, Shaq, in the past, Neil Magny's had a knack for coming out there and winning as an underdog, but now he's taking on Santiago Genchiboa in Argentina. You know uh, you know the motivation level's got to be very high for Ponzinibbio here. Who are you going with? Yeah, man, uh... I just see uh, Pons inflicting a lot of damage in this spot. You know, I feel like Neil struggles against, uh, you know, these big, aggressive power strikers, kind of like Lorenz Larkin. I know Lorenz Larkin also beat Pons and Ebio, but it was definitely more of a, uh, a fight while it lasted. But, uh, you know, I feel like uh, the calf kick is going to play a major weapon. I don't see Neil's leg holding up to that calf kick. Uh, We've seen his leg give out several times in the past, like against RDA, like against Lorenz. And I just see the power of Ponzinibbio being too much, you know. I don't see uh, Neil posing too many threats for Ponzinibbio, you know, on the feet. You know, I think he's probably going to try to tie him up, try to get him a little tired. But I just don't think that's going to work out. You know, Pons' offense off those takedown, off that takedown defense is deadly like we saw against Court McGee back in the day. And uh, I actually see Pond stopping him early, man. Maybe in that first round. I wouldn't be shocked. But, I'll, you know, I'll go second to be safe. So I got Pons and Ebio inside the distance. Yeah, you know, Neil Magny is a guy that I used to love betting as the underdog. You know, he came through many times against Hector Lombard. Uh, you know, I actually didn't bet him against Kelvin Gastelum. But, hey, back in 2015, Neil Magny went out there and defeated Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, look, the guys had a pretty badass career, but... 
the thing about him is that he used to be known for being the guy that fought, you know, every two weeks, right? You know, 2014, he fought five times inside the octagon. 2015, he fought five times inside the octagon. 2016, though, only three times. 2017, only two times. And now 2018, it's only been one time, and it was against fucking Craig White, okay? So I do think that Neil Magny is slowing down a little bit, but you got to give this guy all the respect in the world. I mean, who would have expected that Neil Magny would get to 20 UFC fights? Because at one point, you know, he was the guy on the Ultimate Fighter that got knocked out by Mike Ricci. Now all of a sudden, the guy has got wins over... Tim Means, fucking Kelvin Gastelum, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, bunch of guys. So Neil Magny, I mean, he's a staple of the welterweight division. But I feel like when he steps up against young and fresh guys, and I know that Santiago, interestingly enough, is actually older than Neil Magny, but I just feel like he's still on his title run, Shaq. Whereas Neil Magny had his, you know, his potential title run earlier. It was derailed by Damian Maya, you know, and then after that it's been, you know, it hasn't been the same. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a tough out no matter what, but you see what happens when he steps up. With Lorenz Larkin, the calf kicks were a major weapon. I think I think they're going to be a major weapon here against Santiago Ponzinibbio as well. And something you got to mention about Ponzinibbio, man, is, you know, obviously we can talk about the hands, the laser beams, we can talk about the calf kicks, but what about, what about this dude's heart, man? The dude has the heart of a fucking lion. I mean, you go back, you watch those Ultimate Fighter fights, like I said earlier, he was getting rocked in a lot of those. He came back and he won them. You see that UFC debut against Ryan LaFleur, and you know he's a completely green prospect. And uh, you saw some of those hip escapes he did when he was mounted by Ryan LaFleur. You saw him rocking when he was completely gassed. And then after that, he went on a nice win streak, took the L against Lorenz, but put up a great effort. And now he's on his uh, title run, man. And I just think that you know it's funny. You see the picture of them staring off, and Neil Magny is way bigger. But you know the deal. Uh, with these tall skinny dudes man you go out there and you uh kick these guys in the legs and he's already had experience fighting against a six foot three guy that likes to run and jab uh in sean strickland and he went out there and he 30 27 sean strickland so now he fights a little bit higher ranked version of strickland in neil magny and i think the calf kicks like we already mentioned a million times they're going to be big weapons here rda and lorenz larkin already showed the blueprint for that specific weapon and then obviously you know the deal with Pons. He's going to eat a couple strikes early on, but once he starts finding his range, once he starts letting that straight right go, uh, bodies hit the floor, Shaq, and uh, I don't think that Neil Magny is going to be an exception. Look, Neil Magny is definitely going to land some jabs on Pons and Nibiu. He's got a massive reach advantage, and uh, Pons is open to the punches down the middle, but the reason that I don't think they're going to knock him out is that I don't think Neil Magny has that kind of firepower to put a guy like Ponzinibbio down. I don't think that Neil Magny has the kind of firepower to intimidate a guy like Ponzinibbio to stand back. And the other angle that people are using to pick Neil Magny is, you know, if Pons can't get him out of there early, you know, what happens if this fight goes late? Well, based on the evidence we have, when Neil Magny fought Kelvin Gastelum in a five-round fight, it was actually Neil that won the first three rounds and then slowed down in the fourth and fifth, actually got dropped in the fourth. So it's actually Neil who's done worse late in fights. And not only that, Santiago Ponzinibbio, besides his UFC debut versus Ryan O'Flair, I haven't really seen a cardio problem. Every time he's been in the third round, he's won the third round. So I don't think there's a cardio issue here. I'm going to go with Santiago Genchiboa Ponzinibbio inside the distance as well. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself, Kyle. Another week, another fight. This weekend that's going down in Argentina. How's it going? Great, man. I'm on a killer winning streak, and I'm ready to keep it rolling. 
Yeah, man. I mean, look, it's starting to rub off on me because now it's been two events in a row. I'm starting to get my momentum back. I'm going to continue it this weekend. But look, this main event of the evening between Santiago Ponzinibbio and Neil Magny is a very intriguing one, man. At one point, Neil Magny, he was the guy that was fighting five times every year, beating former champions like Carlos Condit and Johnny Hendricks. Now he's got this, uh, you know, I want to say a step up, but it's really a step up for Santiago in terms of the rankings. So are you going with the big favorite here or do you think the dog has a chance? Yeah, I'm going to go with the favorite here. Uh, I'll take Ponzinibbio in Argentina over over an overrated Magni, really. Uh, with this being five, the only issue is that he's $9,000 on DraftKings, but this is five rounds, and I think even if it got, does go to a decision, he could pay that off. Uh, it's just we're most likely looking for the knockout with that price. Uh, and I think he has a good chance to get it, uh, but I'm a little bit worried about Magni taking him down, spending some time on top. Uh, and if Magny can pull out the upset at $7,200, it really doesn't matter what kind of win he gets. Uh, he'd probably be on the winning lineup. So it's a fight I'm definitely going to have both sides in tournaments. But my pick is definitely going to be Ponzinibbio here. I'll have more of him. And I'll pick him by, like, second-round knockout. So Elkins is taking on Lamas. It's really interesting, man. You know, kind of like I was telling Shaq earlier on the show that, uh, you know, everyone's better than Elkins. Everyone's cleaner than Elkins. You know, this and that. Everyone's got better wrestling credentials, whatever. But the bottom line is this guy comes out here, he wins a ton of fights. I mean, Mirsad Bektik was more athletic than him. Uh, Michael Johnson's got cleaner striking technique than him. He went out there, finished both of them. He's won six of his last seven. You think he continues that momentum here against uh, the always tough Ricardo Lamas? Nah, I'm going to pick Lamas here, but Elkins is just such a tough guy to fight. I mean, he's such a grindy fighter and hard to put away. Uh, so it's really... I think it's going to be a little bit back and forth, but Lamas is just going to be better everywhere. And I think he'll be able to keep Elkins off of him to where it's a stand-up fight, and I think Lamas wins in a stand-up fight. I think he can go for takedowns. You're not really too worried about Elkins from the bottom. Uh, you're just more worried about him getting a reversal or something or getting on your back. Uh, so I'm, I'm really not in love with this fight on DraftKings because of that style from Elkins. It can really take away from what Lamas can do. So if I was just playing one lineup, I'd probably fade this fight. Uh, but I'll have more exposure to Lamas than Elkins. So Khalil Roundtree is taking on the newcomer Johnny Walker. Man, some of the things I've seen from Johnny Walker have been super ugly, but at the same time, if he can somehow survive that first-round storm of Khalil, get on top of him, it could be his fight. You think he's going to be able to do that? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to have to pick Roundtree here, but it is a like it's one of my favorite fights to target on DraftKings because I don't see how this goes to a decision. I think Roundtree's got the way better striking, and he can put him away at any time. Uh, but, yeah, man, this Johnny Walker dude's real crazy. Uh, he could land some weird shit, maybe knock out Roundtree as well. But, yeah, if he can get it to the ground, I think that's his best path to victory. So he's for sure interesting for that reason, and he's only $7,400 on DraftKings. Uh, I think with a win, he's for sure going to smash that. So I definitely want some Walker in my lineups, but – I just don't really see him getting that win. I think Roundtree is just going to be too good on the feet, uh, and I see him knocking him out in probably the first round. So I'd rather have Roundtree if I was making one lineup again, but if I'm making ten lineups, I, I want maybe five Roundtree, three Walker, but I definitely want both sides of this. I don't see it going to a decision. Cesar Mutanchi Ferreira is welcoming the newcomer Ian Heinish to the UFC. We've heard a lot about Ian Heinish on the regional scene. Now, interestingly enough, Cesar's original matchup, he was the dog versus Tom Breeze. Now he's the favorite versus Ian Heinish. You think there's going to be an upset here, or you think Cesar keeps his spot? I think this could be an upset spot. Uh, Heinish is solid on the top, and he's got 
son of power. He could definitely test that chin of Cesar. Um, and with Cesar, he just really doesn't score highly in his fights, really. I, last fight of his was the first time he went over 100 points. It was the first time he even went over 90 points. So usually in his wins, he doesn't score very highly. And I, I don't know how much he's going to want to mess around with Heinish on the ground here. I think that's his best path to a high-scoring DraftKings day. So I don't really know about this fight. Uh, I think I'd rather have the dog, actually. And maybe he can get on top, land a knockout from ground and pound. Or even if they, they keep a standing, uh, he can get a knockout there, too. So, uh my pick is actually going to be Cesar, but I would rather have Heinish in DraftKings. It's funny. You said Cesar, you know, he's only scored over 90 points once. So I have to assume when he fought Elias and they were both taking turns swinging their hardest punches at the air, that the combined score was less than 100, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure it was well uh, under 100. <laughs> so Marlon Chito Vera is taking on Guido Canetti. Marlon is a big favorite here. What's interesting about this fight, man as far as Guido Canetti is concerned, is that his last fight, he was taking on the Chilean Diego Rivas in Chile, and the Argentine won. Now the Ecuadorian Marlon Vera is taking on the Argentine in Argentina, and I have a feeling the Ecuadorian's going to win this fight. So you going with the big favor? Do you think uh, Guido Canetti might be a live dog here? No, I'm taking the favor here. I think Vera should be better everywhere here. <clears throat> uh, the only issue is $9,200 on DraftKings, and at at that price, you really do need a finish from him. I don't think a decision puts him on the winning lineup. Uh, but I do think he has a good chance of going out there and getting a finish. If Kennedy takes him down, I think Fair's going to submit him from his back. And Fair uh, could also knock him out on the feet. So I think he's got possible ways to a finish. But it's not something I love to pay $9,200 for. Uh, not interested in Guido Kennedy at all, though. Fair's uh, the pick. It's just if you're going to roster him, you got to root for that, uh, <clears throat> that finish, submission or knockout. A little MMA trivia. The first time Kyle Marley and I met was actually at Marlon Chito Vera's very first UFC win against Roman Salazar. He won via triangle choke and got a performance of the night. So little little <laughs> tidbit there. But, dude, look. This fight between Michelle tractor Prezerish and Bartos Fabinski, man, I mean, two incredible grinders. One's obviously bigger than the other. But, you know, I say that. And Michelle Prezerish, he just beat a middleweight his last fight in Zach Cummings. You think he continues – the momentum here? You think Bartos might be a live dog here? I think Bartos is a live dog just because he's going to be the bigger guy. And if he can put Prezeris on his back, I think he can win that way. Just keep doing what he does. Uh, go for takedowns and try to grind out the fight. But Prezeris is the better fighter. Uh, and same goes for him. If he could put Fabinski on his back, then he could probably lock up a finish at some point. So I'm definitely picking Prezeris here. Uh, Fabinski is a guy who I've loved to target in his last three fights, but he's never face a wrestler like Prezeris, uh, I don't think he can get seven takedowns on this matchup. So it's not uh, a spot I, that I love on either side. But again, if I was making one lineup, I'd rather go ahead and take the dog. Hopefully he can land takedowns and get – here. Oh, what's he got? Uh, Lubinsky, 7,600. So it really doesn't take a ton for him to pay that off. Uh, if he can land a couple takedowns, get the win – he could he could pay off 7600 so yeah i don't mind fabinski here it's just i don't see him getting over 100 points again over tractor yeah it's very hard to get 100 points over a guy like tractor preserish i mean he's always counted out and eventually we got to learn our lessons not to count this guy out but look fabinski goes out there and gets this upset i will tip my cap for sure now last but not least alexandre pantoja is taking on olka sasaki i've seen mixed uh mixed reviews online obviously for for such a wide line a lot of people think Olka Sasaki might be a live dog in this spot. 
And at the same time, I've seen a lot of confidence on Pantoja. I'm personally picking Pantoja. I think he's better everywhere. What's your opinion? Yeah, I agree. I think Pantoja's the pick. I think he is better everywhere. Uh, but I, I, again, man, that's a high price tag to pay, 9300 uh, Who are you going to trust more up here at these high DraftKings price tags? That's really the the key of winning this week. I think they all have chances of going out there and getting finishes. Uh, but Pantoja's probably in my opinion, the safest play on the card to get a win. I'm not really digging this matchup for Sasaki. Uh, or Yeah, Sasaki. Because uh, his way to win is on the ground, and that's where Pantoja is really solid as well. I don't see him getting the rear naked choke in this one. Uh, I think he's a better cash punt than anything. You could accept a loss there. Hope that maybe he can go to a decision and rack up 30 points or something in a loss. And at 6,900, you can afford a bunch of other favorites in your cash lineup. Uh, but now Pick's going to be Pantoja there. And if you're rostering him at 9,300, you're hoping for a submission or knockout at some point. So before I let you go, off the top of your head, how did my boy uh, Davi Hamosh do last week? I think he scored uh, just over 100. Really, the fight just didn't last long enough for him to do much damage. So, like, Barber scored more than him because she was able to land more ground and pounds rack up the points that way uh but yeah man if if ramos just beat on him a little bit longer he could uh could have scored very highly <laughs> and another one i'm curious about what about benil Dariush? i know it's kind of a grinding decision but it seemed like he took him down a million times yeah i just saw that i didn't have any Dariush in my lineups so i i didn't even know what he scored and i just looked that up uh yesterday or the day before i think he only scored 87 points which is 10x what his price tag was so we'll take it i guess but I thought it was going to be higher as I was watching the fight. And last but not least, you know, normally we don't do recaps, but with such a crazy main event between the Korean Zombie and Yair Rodriguez with such a spectacular finish to it. <clears throat> I mean, look, Korean Zombie was controlling the whole fight, so I'd assume he scored a good amount of points. But with that catastrophic ending, Yair had to have topped him, right? Yeah, Yair definitely topped him. Uh, that shit was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I actually didn't even see the knockout live because I went to let my dogs out. I figured the fight was over. I let them out, and then my buddy starts going crazy in the background. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I looked, and I saw a zombie just flatlined, and I couldn't believe it. And then when I saw the replay, it was just mind-blowing. I can't believe that happened. Still, that gives me chills just talking about it. There will never be a later knockout than that. Never be a, a more impressive one this year, I'm sure. That's already locked up, knockout of the year. Uh, hell of a fight, though. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, your reaction sounds similar to mine when uh, Ankalaev was taking on Paul Craig. You know, 10 seconds left in the fight. You know, walk outside, <laughs> let the dogs out. You come back in, and uh, they raise Paul Craig's hand the winner. I was like, what the fuck just happened? So, Crazy MMA sport, is the man. best sport on planet Earth, my man. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battles going down this Saturday in Buenos Aires, Argentina. They can follow you at Big Marley 3 Kyle, any message for them? Nah, just follow me on Twitter. I'll have everything posted there. Uh, I've been crushing it, and I plan on doing it again, so let's get it. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Argentina? Yeah, my fight to watch is going to be uh, Michel Prezeris versus Bartos Fabinski. You know, I think uh, the winner is going to be right outside the top 15. And I just like the style matchup. You know, you got this big, powerful, explosive Brazilian versus a, a big, powerful, strong, uh, aggressive pole. So I think uh, when they collide, it's going to be pretty entertaining. 
Yeah, for the prelims, that's definitely the fight to watch. I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. For me, I got to go with the co-main event, man, because once again, just like we were talking about earlier, man, Darren Elkins is criminally underrated. He's always counted out. Every single guy he fights is better than him, but not every single guy he fights beats him. And Ricardo Lamas, I mean, he's been uh, the number five guy in the world for like the last 10 years. So let's see if he keeps his spot as well. I can't wait. That is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Buenos Aires? Yeah, my fighter to watch is going to be uh, Alexandre Pantoja, man. Uh, I think this guy's got one of the most exciting fighting styles. And, you know, uh, they don't call him the cannibal for a reason, man. He walks forward. He likes to exchange punches and low kicks. And then he uh, likes to choke people out. So that's my fighter to watch. Yeah, my fighter to watch is Marlon Chito Vera. Look, this is a guy that's finished all of his UFC wins but one. And his fight on the Ultimate Fighter also, he, he knocked out his opponent there. This guy's a very exciting guy. Every time he wins, for the most part, he's out there knocking guys out or choking guys out. And he doesn't have to fight John Lineker in Brazil this time, Shaq. You know, he's taking on a 39-year-old. You know, we know this is one of Guido Canetti's last fights. So I feel like Marlon Chito Vera has a chance to come out here, get a highlight reel finish and style on his opponent and make a statement, get on a win streak, and maybe make a, make a case to start fighting some top 25 guys again. So I'm going to go with Marlon Chito Vera as the fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday. UFC Argentina, UFC Buenos Aires, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Neil Magny. The fans can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shout out to Best Fight Picks sponsor athlete Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez. He's fighting for the Bellator Featherweight World Championship versus the always tough Patricio Pitbull. So let's get it, Manny. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.